0: Well, welcome to the hunt back country podcast. This is final Friday episode number four. I'm your host, Jake Havlicek, uh, for those who don't know who, what the final Friday is, uh, it's just a series that, uh, I'm hosting where I bring on guests who I consider are very successful in the hunting world and ask them questions. that will benefit myself and, and those who listen. My guest on today's podcast is Jeff Bloomquist. Jeff and I have been friends for quite a few years now, and I've gotten lucky to be able to share conversations with him about hunting personal growth and financial decisions. Uh, Jeff does financial advising for work. He has two kids and a wife and loves to get outdoors and hunt as much as he can. Jeff is a stone cold killer when it comes to archery elk hunting and is a wealth of knowledge. So, this is definitely an episode that you don't want to miss. I hope you all enjoy the podcast as much as I did. And here's the conversation with Jeff Bloomquist. All right. You ready? I'm ready when you are. All right. Sounds good. I was just thinking. All right. What's going on, everybody? This is Jake. Uh, you're listening to the hunt backcountry podcast, a little segment called final Friday. This is final Friday episode number four. I've got a good friend of mine, Jeff Bloomquist. Jeff, how are you doing?
1: I'm good, man. How are you?
0: I'm doing great. Um, for those who've listened to this podcast, uh, final Friday is just a little segment that I ask industry professionals, successful hunters questions, uh, just trying to gain knowledge in hunting and better myself. Um, so my guest today Jeff, you've been on the podcast a couple times. You were on the Expert Roundtable series. Um and I'll put all of these podcasts in the description, but it was like the episode 295 through 299 and then you did one the most recent one was the reverse engineering um which was about your last year's elk hunt, right? Correct. Yeah. Okay. Right on, right on. So for those who want to listen to those podcasts, uh episodes I'll put those in the in the link description. I sound like Mark right now. Um so you guys can listen to that, but in that you didn't really give a, a background, Mark skipped over you on a, on a good background. So if you don't mind, if you could give my, my final Friday listeners a, a little background of who you are, that'd be awesome.
1: Um, well, I think I got a little bit of a background in the first, um, the, the Oh, expert, expert roundtable expert roundtable one. Yeah, correct. But, um, just a little bit about me. Obviously I'm not an industry professional. People don't know me from that, um, but as we'll go through here, I have some questions for you too, because one thing that you mentioned, right, is successful hunter. And what is the definition of a successful hunter? Um, and we'll get into that, but, yeah. um, a little bit about me, like, uh, obviously I grew up hunting with my parent, with my dad, uh, my uncle learned a lot about hunting from them. Um, and then I think the reason that you have me on, right. Is because you want to learn how to become more successful in the field over time. And so I went through a process over my hunting career to learn how to be better. Right, I felt like I was a good hunter, but I wanted to become a great hunter. And there's some things that I did very specifically and on purpose over time. Um, I had the ability, obviously, to listen to Steve's podcast last month. And he did things that were similar, but I don't know that he necessarily did it on purpose, right? Like he's just the type of guy that pays attention mm-hmm. and did it where I was made it more of a study and a student to to learn that over time. Gotcha. So that's a little bit about at least my hunting background. Uh, personally, um, I have a, a family, two girls, uh, a wife, and I'm a financial advisor uh, where I help people with retirement planning, investment strategies. So um, obviously I like, I wear a suit to work every day, right? But uh, definitely more of a country boy at heart.
0: right on right on i I like the i like the dress attire right now you're 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 not in a suit you're just chilling you're in a hoodie right now so this is just late i'm
1: a little more chill today yeah
0: yeah (laughs) well i appreciate you again uh rescheduling with me it's been a we just launched last week with some new products and i appreciate your flexibility with uh with that because i know we had something scheduled last week so glad we were able to make it happen Anyways, let's get into some questions. I sent you the questions earlier and had you look over them. That way you were a little bit prepared with Steve. We kind of just did a little rapid fire and he didn't have any time to get, get himself lined out. But uh, like I said, I just want to, I just want to gain information. I just want to know things Uh, basically beginning, middle and end. And I want to kind of start things off with, you know, answering the, I want you to answer these questions with uh, basically put yourself in my shoes, 20 to 23 years old. And and then kind of how that progresses. Um, so first question, you know, how, how did you get out and hunt as much as you could when you were my age into now? Um, yeah. Just going to leave it at that. <laughs> just going to leave it open.
1: So when I was your age, I was going to school. Yeah. When I was your age, I was going to school in Pullman. Um, and uh, you know, when you're in college, obviously you have, I would say more time. Uh, just because <laughs> I was fortunate enough where I uh, had a job in the summertime uh, where I was a fishing guy in Alaska. And so I made pretty good money in the summertime. And then my parents helped me with school too. So I didn't have to work going to school. Um, and what that allowed me to do, right, was every time as soon as I got out of school in the afternoon or on the weekend, I was out hunting or fishing. Um, and so I think that that, that allowed me, right, that time out in the field, which obviously as we'll go through some of these questions, I think is the most important aspect of it is, is the time out there learning. Um, but to get out there as much as I could, it was just a conscious effort, right? I didn't have responsibilities. Um, the thing when you're young is you have the time, but you don't have the money, right? Yeah. Um, and then as things progress over time, you get the money, but then you don't have the time uh, because you have responsibilities with work or family or your kids or whatever it is like that that comes up um and and makes it difficult. so it, it's just something that you have to be conscious about and try to figure out if you if you don't have the money, right, and you're young, then work overtime, right? Find a side hustle. like don't let that stop you from not doing it because you're never going to have more time flexibility than you do at the age you're at
0: right now. Right. Right. Um, I was, uh, one thing I forgot, like when you got into hunting, was it just, was it yourself discovering hunting or did you grow up with dad, grandpa getting you into hunting? Like, how was that? I
1: grew up with my dad hunting a lot. And then my uncle as well. Um, And they were, they're both very good hunters, right. For the, but we hunted basically the weekends and that was, that was it. Um, I would say that they were probably more successful than most. Um, and so there's a lot of things that I took away (laughs) from them and, and learned from them, uh, and they had, I think I talked about this in the expert round table, but they have very conflicting styles as well, where my dad's a little bit more patient on how he hunts. Um, or my uncle just like run and gun, you know, cover as much country as he possibly could until he stumbles into something and shoots it. Um, and what I've done over time, right. Is like blend the two for sure. Cause there's times where you need to do both. Um, don't just think one way is the right way to do it. And this is how it always works. Right. Right. So I had them right. As a, as a good, teacher to get like my foundation of just like basic skills. And then I took it from there on my own yeah.
0: to grow it. Absolutely. Yeah. That's, that's how I grew up. And, you know, I still hunt with my dad, but my dad was the one who got me into it. Yeah, um I've been on, I want to kind of like do a little backtrack. I know I was telling you this earlier, but I have been on quite a few kills myself personally. I've, you know, I've got a few animals under my belt. Um, and I think we can, after I talk about this, let's talk about success. Um, but yeah, a few animals under my belt, you know, a lot of harvests uh, with my dad and it's been, it's been really cool to be able to be a part of that and then just learn from him and, you know, learn about, you know, learn his ways of hunting and everything like that. it's just been awesome going on the adventures with him and and how he's gotten me into it. And I consider him a successful hunter. And so I know you just asked me the question. I, I, we can get into it um, yeah. as far as what I consider successful. I would say, you know, someone who is consistent with killing animals, harvesting animals, whatever you want to call it, um, every year. One, to, it, it, I, I wouldn't put a number on it, you know, just cause we were talking about, I think time is a big factor, uh, especially now with, you know, most of these guys that I'm going to be interviewing. All of them have families. Jobs and other, you know, responsibilities to take care of. So I just think it's it's somebody who gets out and gets the job done every year, and so that's what I'm trying to, you know, um, accomplish. I get a lot of time. Um, there's I get a lot of opportunities. Like, and you know, sometimes it just doesn't happen. And I think that's just with a few mistakes that I've made in the field. Now, again, I've been in the field since I was seven years old getting after it with, with my old man and my grandpa. And, you know, so I know what it's like to get an animal down. It's just, um, you know, I'm just trying to work on like that last, last step, you know, whether it's target panic or yeah, just, just little things like that. Um, so that's what I consider success. And that's why you had you on the podcast is from hearing, hearing from Steve about how you're super successful. Cause I actually never heard about you until you came into the office, what five years ago. I, I don't remember. Uh, I don't. Yeah, you came in the office and I was like, "Who's this guy?" Um, <laughs> and he mentioned that you're you were a successful hunter, and I was like, "I've never seen him on Instagram." Right? Pixar, it didn't happen. But then after listening and and talking more, you know, you you get stuff done, and you you've had you've had quite successful uh, past few seasons, and that's why I wanted to have you on is just to kind of pick your brain some more and um, learn about your tricks and tactics.
1: So uh, when I read those questions, right, I, I thought about that one. That's why I wanted to ask, because um, obviously success can be measured in a lot of different ways, um, but the numbers don't lie. Right. Um, and so after I read that, I was like, isn't that interesting that, that he thinks that I'm a successful hunter? Right. I just I mean, obviously, I, I feel like I do pretty well, but it's obviously perception sometimes right? as well. So, I did not know these numbers, but I went back and I counted how many elk I've killed, right, in my lifetime. And I'm 40 years old just for for reference. So, I still have hopefully a few more years ahead of me, God willing. Um, I've killed 31 elk. So, just to put a number out there for people right not to, not to it's not like a brag or anything like that. It's just like obviously I've figured out a system that works and then execute on it.
0: Numbers don't lie. That's a, lie. that's a lot of elk. That's awesome. That's, that's a few more than me. I think that's a 20 years young,
1: <laughs> younger than me as well. Right.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. And, and when you say you execute on that, like <clears throat> that's just you learning from, that's just you taking what you learned from both you said your dad and your uncle. Is that what you said? Yeah. Just learning those tactics and and kind of putting them into fruition and, and making a few mistakes along the way and, and getting it done. Um, well, I want to go, go into the next question then. And I feel like, I think you and Steve, I both really want to hear your, I, I really want to hear your um, thoughts and, and your response on this question, because you guys are both very uh, time efficient. And so when you're out hunting, you know, like how do you, how do you, how do you manage your time and how did you manage your time when you were my age and how has that progressed now that you have a family and all? I'd
1: say when I was younger, I'd get out there and I'd hunt the mornings and the evenings. Right. And then you'd take like a midday lull or, um, take a nap or whatever. Uh, yeah. And, but over time, uh, especially archery hunting, right? Like to be honest, the mid, the middle of the day, archery hunting is my favorite time for elk anyway. Um, if you can get a bold answer, you midday, you have a very high probability of killing them. Um, now, not to say that they're gonna be bugling as much as they do in the morning or the evening, but if you can get one to respond, uh, you have a, a much higher success rate typically because they're not gonna be moving, right? They're gonna be with their cows or in that area. And um, and the wind, the thermals are gonna be more consistent. So whether you're gonna be sneaking or calling, uh, there's a lot of advantages in your favor at that at that time of the day. Um, as far as like, am I hunting hard or being lazy? Uh, it depends on the type of hunt, right. To be honest, like typically I'm going to hunt hard, but sometimes hunting harder is not smarter. And so it's always being consciously aware of the situation. Um, you know, it, it depends on if you're deer hunting or elk hunting, or if it's open country or thick country, like all these factors come into play. It's not the same every time. And that's what some people want it to be, to make it simple, but it's, it's not simple. And it takes time of learning those things, right. And, and screwing them up. Um, if I, if I could tell anybody, just be, get out there and hunt as much as you can and have a lot of failures, but don't dwell on the failure. Like that's actually a learning experience, right? Like what did I do wrong? How do I apply that to the next hunt? to, to make it better. Um, it's just, uh, it's, it's too easy, right? Well, not too easy. I, I see this in a lot of my friends where they they get in the same situation multiple times. Right. And they're like, oh, I had the bowl and I couldn't get a shot or this type of situation happened and I messed up. Um, and then never they don't get over that hump. Right. And is it that they're not learning? They're not changing um, because they're obviously getting themselves in a situation to be successful. But the most important part is that last 30 seconds right before it actually happens and making the right decisions. And sometimes that's, you have to do that consciously. And sometimes it has to be unconscious as well. determining based on the situation.
0: Right. Right. Absolutely. Yeah, no, absolutely. Um...
1: Uh, It's one thing that I wanted to touch on real quick, because getting out in the field and this kind of comes back to the, the first question that you asked, right. Is that getting the time out there and having a family and all those things, like it gets harder and harder over time. Um, and you've got to have your family on your team for you to be out there hunting. Right. And so for me, it starts with my wife, um, and having her on my team. So when we first started dating, right. Um, I remember this very well. Uh, like I had hunted a ton already. And then it gets to November, which is her birthday. And I am like out elk hunting. Right. And I get back into service and uh, let's just say she was not real happy uh, with the situation. (laughs) And, you know, you're young and honestly selfish. Right. And we both were selfish. And so it took time of learning of like, okay, like I told her like, I love to hunt, right? But I also love you and I don't want to pick between the two. So I will do whatever you want me to do nine or 10 months out of the year, as long as you give me the flexibility to do what I want for two or three months out of the year, right? And so now, as long as these things are on the schedule and the calendar, um, like I don't get grief for being gone. But then she also knows that I am on her team 100% all year long. Right. But more so the other nine months of a year, right. When I'm not hunting yeah. and I do whatever it takes to get that time away.
0: Right. I, I really appreciate that. And that, um, as I, I, you remind me a lot of like how my dad and my mom are too, with their relationship. And that's, that's something that I want to strive for. And I know, you said when you were my age, you were selfish. And that's, that's, that's the position I'm in right now is just being as selfish as possible. I've got no responsibilities other than my job. I got to pay rent with, you know, I live in a, I live in a place with a couple of roommates and I've got all the time in the world. So I'm definitely, you know, gonna, not going to take it for granted and use this time to educate myself, have fun. But then when it comes down to the hunting season, hunt as hard as you possibly can, because I know it's not going to get any easier. Um, Now, granted, if you find somebody like your wife or like my mom who are very accepting and and my dad uses that term, a team, if you guys are a team, it's not going to get harder, but it will be harder to, you know, leave the house because you've got a, you know, family at home.
1: Uh, Yeah. When the kids were like babies, right. It was even more difficult right because you're you're i felt so guilty leaving her with that responsibility um all by herself right like that's not fair that i'm out there having fun and she's at home you know having to take care of them um but at the same point like like the the biggest factor is communication right Mm -hmm. and communicating with each other what's important and setting expectations and goals for each other um I try to never tell my wife no. Right. Um, because I don't want her to tell me no either, but if you're setting expectations and we each know what our roles are like, then nobody's ever going to really step out the boundaries too far of like being selfish. Right. Because if we're each giving our best to each other all the time, then it doesn't circle back and become a problem where you're like, Hey, you're out there hunting all the time and I'm here with the kids and this, this isn't fair
0: right question how how old are you when you had your oldest uh 32 okay okay so i definitely have some time my dad was my age when he had me yeah yeah so and how old are you 23, 23. yeah
1: yeah uh, piece of advice never get married before
0: 25 <laughs> all right sounds good dad if you're listening to this you failed yeah. <laughs> um so so Going back to like that second question, managing your time, you know, just chillax. But like now, you're you're hunting whole day, beginning, middle, end, and I actually made a note. Like I've always heard midday bugles just don't exist, and and, and not even heard. Like for me personally, like when we're we're hunting, man, middays it's it's hard. But I have heard those fluke anomaly type. I wouldn't say anomaly, but less likely um, interactions with an elk midday, but yeah, you're basically just going full, going hard after it. Basically the whole eight hours, nine hours. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I mean you, there's an old cliche, right? You can't kill them in camp, but that is not true because one day, uh, my buddy and I did kill one in camp, but, um, it's not <laughs> likely. Right. Right. So you have to put yourself in the opp in the, the zone of opportunity, even if you're just sitting in some in a saddle, right? Um, at least there's an opportunity that one might walk by you Mm -hmm. while you're Mm -hmm. sitting there. Uh, and so you have to just, I only have so much time and that is my biggest concerning factor anymore is time. So I've become more efficient at killing right for one, but then two, when I'm out there, I'm out there. I'm not back at camp having a midday beer.
0: Yeah. Well, I mean, if you're packing in beers, we got a problem. <laughs>
1: <laughs> well, back in um, camp, not, not in my backpack. Okay. I, okay.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I was going to say, Steve wouldn't be happy with that one. Um, <laughs> so, okay. Transition into, uh, I know you just got done this last weekend. You did a little, little bit of a training hike. You did what? 30 something miles, 32, 33. yeah. 33. Okay. So on Saturday I did 22 and you and I were, we were in touch. Um, how'd you feel after it?
1: uh surprisingly not bad
0: right? Yeah. Um, w- w- um was it did you not feel bad on the second day or how'd you feel because the first day you did what 20 something we, we
1: did 22 the first day
0: okay and how'd you feel uh, after that before you went to sleep
1: uh i was tired okay Like i was, okay. I was gassed um nice. i purposely like had my backpack a little heavier than i normally would right yeah. just because this is the first year that i'm going on the death hike and like i was like okay i gotta like pushed myself on this hike. Um, and we ran into a lot of snow in the first 10 miles, which just made up following the trail hard, right? Cause you couldn't follow the trail and it was, it was melting. So it was soft and slippery. It felt like you're walking in slippery sand, yeah, for like the first 10 miles. And so we, I was like two hours behind my schedule of where I thought we would be just based upon the conditions. And so that first part really took me, took it out of me.
0: Yeah. Yeah. No, I was, you know, when you and I were talking, like after that first day, I was, I was pretty toast, but then I didn't, but then when I
1: woke up. Yeah. I felt good.
0: Yeah. I was going to say, I didn't, I didn't sleep. So I was, I was curious to see that. But anyways, that was my transition into um, do you, I know you're training now. Did you do much when you were my age?
1: No, oh. I didn't. I mean, I I went to school in Pullman, right? And if you've been there, it's all hills. So everything going to class is uphill or downhill. So that was my, that was my training. Um, but then, you know, over time I realized that that was not very smart because you get to hunting season and the first few days just absolutely suck. And then by the end of season, you're in great shape. And, um, it took me a slow learner right it took me a couple years to realize like well maybe i should be in shape before season starts yeah Um, so i don't think being in shape necessarily makes you quote unquote more successful but it sure doesn't help or doesn't hurt i mean um to be in shape because it just allows you to do more and it's not so painful along the way
0: right
1: um obviously people don't know me but i'm very skinny guy and so I had no problem covering miles. Like that was never a problem for me where I always run into problems was, um, as soon as I would get something down, like, and had to pack weight, like I folded quickly. Um, and so I recognized that that was a issue for me. And so for me, my biggest thing that I do in the off season is just train with weight, right. Uh, heavy pack and do that. And then now I can pack, weight, not a problem because I've trained for going in and a lot of the hunts I do on by myself. And so obviously carrying out a whole lot by yourself, you need to be in shape in order to do
0: that. In your defense. I know you said you're skinny. You're also what? Six, four, six, five. So, I mean, it's six four. Yeah. Okay. So yeah, I mean, it's a little bit harder to kind of put on the weight, but when you did or fill out, but when you did mention, um, uh, how you hike fast, you can put on some miles. I remember that's another reason I, I forgot to leave this in the intro. Um, you and I, we, you were on the Kodiak trip with us, mm-hmm. which was super yeah. fun. Uh, it was super awesome to be able to spend some time with you in the mountains. Um, I remember hiking behind you and I was like, dang, the dude has a stride. <laughs> <laughs> I remember I was hiking with you and Mark. That was right before Mark killed that morning buck. And I remember we were, uh, we were humping it and I was like, wow, that guy can that guy can put some miles on. That's for sure. Real quick. Cover some country real fast.
1: Long legs uh, come in handy. Yeah,
0: yeah, absolutely. That's funny. I was um totally off topic, but that whole trip, I think everybody like the average of that the high average of that hunt was like six one or six two. Like Steve and I were the two of the shortest guys, and I'm six foot six one as well. It was hilarious how that whole picture, everybody's. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Cody and
1: Corey and yeah. you know, yourself,
0: okay. Jason. I know. Um, I right, mean, I want to get into the, t- my two favorite questions. And I think these are the two that you've been looking forward to, you know, these first three were kind of intro, but we discussed what successful hunter means to you and me. Um, so with that, even though I think you would consider yourself a very successful hunter, or you did say that even though you are a successful hunter, what would you say your biggest weaknesses is while you're out hunting?
1: Um, I'm going to say two things. Um, first one is being this, this is something new, right? It wasn't this way growing up. Um, but my, my, the one today is being present on the hunt. Um, there's a, a quote from a guy that, you know, Mr. Jim run, and he says, wherever you are, be there. Right. And one thing that I struggle with hunting is thinking about my responsibilities at home, um, with work, with my family. And so even though I look forward to hunting all year long, sometimes when I'm out there, I have a hard time, like letting all of that stuff go back at home and enjoying and focusing on the hunt. Um, and so that's something that I've had to, to work on. Right. It's like, once I get out there to, to be present, um, and not worry about the things that I can't control at home. and know that I did the best that I could the rest of the year with that and focus on the time at hand. So that's, that's something I just feel guilty, right? That's the biggest thing is feeling guilty. Um, even though my wife doesn't make me feel guilty, I feel guilty for myself and um, also for my responsibilities at work. Cause there's a lot of people that rely on me for managing their investments and that type of thing. And if I'm not watching it, I feel like I'm doing them a disservice. Um, as far as like hunting, it's gotta be patience. Um, I struggle with patience. Um, so going back to the analogy of my or not analogy, but the example of my uncle and my dad, I definitely hunt more like my uncle, where I'm more of a go-getter most of the time. And so watching people on YouTube or just you know, hunting with different people. Um I've I've tried to learn from them. And I, I think I've referenced this before, but like one of the best hunters that I think doesn't get enough credit is Nate Simmons. And that dude has the most patience out of at least com- compared to me that I've ever seen, where he will watch something for multiple days, right. Waiting for the right opportunity where it's like, I hear a bull view and the wind might be marginal. And I'm like, so you're telling me there's a chance, right? <laughs> <laughs> and so the patience is the one thing that I struggle with. And if I'm, you know, conscious about it, then a lot of times I'll do better. But that is definitely my my biggest downfall is being patient in the right circumstances and allowing the situation to be, um, you know, be better versus just pushing it every time. Because I usually just push it every time.
0: Right. And is that true when you were my age as well? You were struggling with patience. Oh, I was way,
1: I was way worse than yeah. that.
0: Yeah. And I think I struggle with that too. Um, it's just <clears throat> me and my dad. My dad is one of the most patient guys on the planet. He is content with sitting a blind for the whole day and waiting for that last 30 minutes to kill a bull. That's his favorite thing is because, you know, the elk let their guard down. And he's got all the time in the world to draw back in an arrow bowl for me. I'm, I'm a squirrel. I'm, I'm, I'm just squirrely. I'm, I'm, I'm like, I can't do this. I can't do this. And sometimes I'll talk him out of sitting in a blind and we'll go hiking, you know, around and, and, you know, calling for elk and sure. We'll get a response or something, but it's not as efficient as sitting in the blind. So then I'll hear it from my old man at the end of the day.
1: But then I also think some of my success, right. comes from the lack of patience. Um, so it's kind of a double-edged sword, right? Because right. then I'm always moving and then I create those opportunities by moving. Now, perhaps to your point, right? If I would have just sat there in one spot, I could have killed something as well, but Actually, yeah. I'm always in the mindset of like, well, what's over that hill? Yeah. Um, cause I can see everything right here and I can't see nothing. Mm-hmm. And so the, the more that I move, the more opportunities it provides in my opinion. Yeah. But then when it comes to that certain instance right then there's certain times where it does pay to be patient right right uh, and it's not just a easy answer
0: I right guess. um your first answer of being present i think everybody can relate to that uh, When do you think that's the same as well when you were younger uh is struggling with being present because i wonder if that's different i would s-
1: yeah, I would say no because I didn't have responsibilities, right? Like, okay, I mean, honestly, like I, you're going if I'm in college, right? <laughs> I mean, I had classes, but like, um, I didn't have real responsibilities. Yeah, I didn't have any reason I had to get back at a certain time. Um, I didn't have clients calling me or emailing me, you know, asking me questions, right? Yeah. Um, but then obviously, as time goes on, those responsibilities start to build, and so it was like a gradual thing over time. And then today so many people rely on me that when I'm not there, I feel that, that, um, that guilt, right. Or that, um, that it just, it takes my mind away and I'm not focusing on what I should be focusing on, which
0: is the reason that
1: I'm there. And that is to hunt and enjoy it and kill something quickly and successfully.
0: Yeah, for sure. I think that's one thing that I've struggled with is because I was going to say, that's one thing that I relate to, or I have related to is being present because I am a very good student. Um, and that's always something that's just been a, a kink in our hunting plans is always been just college, you know? So I finished with my associate's degree last year. Um, and I'm actually taking this year off to enjoy the season and, and just not make it towards a burden on my dad where we have to go back Sunday night because, you know, uh, granted I, you know, work now is full time, but still just making sure you get something in turned in at 11 59 PM on a Sunday night. <laughs> there's been plenty of times where we've done that or, and I think kids my age uh, just have other things going on, like with technology and social media and stuff, you know, they're just not, not as present. So I think that's one that kind of hit home a little bit. And I'm I'm excited to, I'm excited to see what it, what's changed or, you know, how that changes a little bit now that now I'm kind of taking a little hiatus from school. Yes, I'm going back, but
1: yeah, I would say that over time, like my weaknesses have changed. Right. And so it's important to uh, identify what your weakness is, right? Mm -hmm. Maybe your weakness is something obviously completely different than mine, but what is that weakness? How can you, make it take it from a weakness to a strength if it's actually out in the field hunting like if you're always get close and you can't kill them what are you doing wrong right like don't keep doing the same thing um if you're not finding animals then you need to change your tactics on what you're either doing from a scouting perspective or um you know what you're doing from like how your hunting tactics are like whatever your weakness is it's always important to identify it, but then also focus on it. Right. And figure out how to change it over time. So because I'm maybe more successful in the field now, right. It's not actually hunting. That's my weakness anymore. It's my own mental mindset going into the hunt and during the hunt. That's my weakness. But for somebody that's new, they're going to have a different weakness than than I'm going to have.
0: Yeah, for sure. Yeah. It's different for everybody. What's one thing that you did. I don't know if this kind of now this doesn't barge into this next last question, but like, what's one thing that you did um, to help get you over that hump? Um,
1: yeah, it does. I, I would say it does like go <laughs> into that one, right? Okay. This, yeah. To me, this last question is is the best question. All right. I'll, so, I'll let you ask it, and then I'll and then I'll answer.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, what's one piece of advice that you could give listeners, younger or older, who are looking to increase success?
1: So I'm going to start off with. Um, a story from this weekend on, on my hike, I went with my brother. Yeah. Okay. And so my brother is not a hunter. Um, but he has gone on multiple hunts with me over time. Yeah. And so he, he knows what I do. Right. And he's actually like video cammed some of them for me. Um, and so I asked him, you know, cause I was thinking about this question, like, what is success? Like, well, this is a perfect person to ask. Ask. Like, why am I a successful hunter, right? Because a lot of times you can have your own personal biases about yourself or your situation. And so, you know, I asked him and he goes, he goes, it's gotta be your knowledge of the animal and what they're going to do. Um, he goes, cause you know, you'll say, oh, they're going to go around this hill and get over there. And so then we go around and get over there and then they're there or that bull did this. And so this is going to happen and we need to get over here. Right. And he goes, following you, I'm like, how does he know that this is going to (laughs) happen? right? Mm -hmm. Um, And that's not something you can teach, right? It's not like I can come on a podcast and talk about it and say, well, if they do, this is what's going to happen. It's time in the field. It's experience. It's studying animal behavior. And we'll get into that. Um, But it's just the knowledge of time and experience that it takes to to develop that skill. Um, The other thing he said was a willingness to go wherever they are. Um, so if that's down in a deep hole, then, you know, we're going to go down. Um, if it's right next to the road, then we're going to go there, right? Like, I'm not saying that we have to go deep and do this type of thing, because that's the type of hunt you need to have. You need to identify the situation and, and do it. So to to become a sexful hunter over time, what I have done is made it a study. Okay. So if you want to be good at anything in life, you have to study it. And when I was probably your age, Jake, I, um, you know, I, I got introduced to a couple of people that kind of opened my eyes as far as how to be good at my job, how to be a good person, how to grow my business. But then I applied that to hunting because to me, that's my passion. And how do I become the best hunter possible is I made it so i read all the books that i could find on hunting right some of the older ones are actually really good because um it's just a different style back then but that doesn't mean that it's a wrong style it's just you can uptake a little bit of information from that and then apply it to something today um so just study it ask questions right get around other people that are better hunters than you um Know I always say that you're the average of the five people you hang around. So if you want to become a better hunter, hang around people that are better hunters than you. Get out there and hunt with them. Do those type of things. Study, 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 and then get out there and do it. And then study yourself, right? Like you go out there on a hunt. What did you do right? What did you do wrong? How do you fix it the next time? And then be serious about it. Right. Don't just go out there and do the same thing again. The next time And go, Oh, I wonder why I'm not successful. Um, like be diligent about it, pay attention. Um, that is, that is very, very key. So two things when I'm, when I'm hunting is I'm thinking about constantly animal movements, right? Like what is the animal doing? Um, what time of year is it? What, um, you know what's the weather like all these different factors come into what's the animal doing and the second second factor i bring in is what are the people doing okay um those are the two things that i focus on when i'm hunting what do i think the animals are doing and what do i think the people are doing i try to control as much as i can um around you know what what i can do control as far as how to kill the animal but then i'm very aware of what the people are doing use that to my advantage so a couple years ago i was hunting here on the washington coast and i have kind of like a go-to spot i like to go i biked in like five or six miles and um i thought i was on an uh an episode of um you know born and raised outdoors where everybody was doing the cat rope shuffle that i could find and i mean it was like everywhere i went somebody was bugling and you know, I was just like, this is, this is nuts. Like how am I ever going to kill anything when there's this many people way back in here? So I went home, I got on, uh, got on Onyx. Right. And I was like, where is someplace so obvious that nobody's going to hunt? Right. Like right next to the road, essentially found a spot Went there the next day. Of course, there's nobody there. Uh, end up killing the biggest Roosevelt of my life in there right next to the road. I I identified what the people were doing and did the complete opposite of what they were doing.
0: Right. Right. That's insane. Yeah, You're just studying, learning. Um, yeah. Pause. Can you hear me?
1: Yeah. I lost you
0: a second. Okay. There's a little pause. Um, I wanted to touch back with you because I wrote this note, you and I, we've been in touch quite a bit. But it's almost a life lesson too and i don't i don't know if it's a good closure on this but you are the average of the five people that you hang around with like that that rings true to everything in life for me and for everybody um do you have anything more to touch on that you know as far as
1: <laughs> I mean, now we're getting into life philosophy right but, um, which we can but, but but no it's very important right and and um, I'm stealing all this from somebody else, right? This is not something that I, that I came up with, um, but take, uh, take an accounting of who you're around, right? Because the people that you hang around, whether you're conscious of it or not are affecting you in multiple ways. Um, so who am I around, right? What are they doing to me? And is that okay? Uh, those are always the three questions that I ask with anybody that I, that I hang out with and when you go through those questions, you'll, you'll realize, right. That there's some people you can hang around a little bit, but not all the time. So you can hang around a lot. And then there's some people that you, you're like, well, I want to be more like that person. So I'm going to figure out how to be around them more. Right. So that's like expanded association. Um, so it's kind of interesting, right? Like I've over time changed my friend group. Um, And it wasn't by accident, it was on purpose. Um, I've also caught a ton of flack, right? For um cutting certain people out of my life over time. And honestly, I'm a much better person because of it, right? Um, because those people were not necessarily good influences on me or not treating me the way that I should be treated. And we don't, nobody needs that in 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 life. So the fact that I'm like friends with Steve, right? Like, on purpose in a roundabout way because he's a very smart guy, a great hunter, right? And I wanted to be around people like him that are going to bring me up over time versus me bringing everybody else up with me. Yeah. So whether that's from a business perspective or a personal perspective or a hunting perspective, right? There's people that I hang around with on purpose based upon that.
0: I think that's awesome. I think that's great. And that's why I'm doing this here. That's, uh, you know, I'm I'm very lucky to have this opportunity to have uh, to be able to talk to guys like yourself and better educate myself. Do you have any, any closing remarks, anything else? So I just
1: want to touch one more thing on that. Right. So I have different groups of friends for different things as well. Right. So it's funny because I have like this, this thread on my phone. One is um, my kids, my kids named him this. Right. So I have my, my funds, my fun friends group and my smart man's group. Right. And they, <laughs> there's different ones. Um, and it's important to have both of those, right. Yeah. There's people that you learn from because they're fun. Right. right. And you want to have fun too, but there's also people that are very successful in all, a lot of different ways. And you want that's full at that as well. Right. So it all ties back together. Um, and just having balance in, in life. Um, but coming back to the final question, right? Of like, what's the biggest advice that I would give to anybody is figure out what is important to you in life and then make it a study. And if that's hunting, study it, right? If it's becoming a good parent to your kids, then study that if it's, I want to make a lot of money and so I can go on all these hunts and do these things, then figure out how to become more valuable so that you can make more money. Right. There's, there's a ton of different ways to do it. Um, but make whatever you're a passion about a study.
0: Man, that's awesome. That's gold. I really appreciate you coming on the podcast and chatting with me about this. Um, that's Thanks for inviting me.
1: Yeah. I, and I know that most people don't know who I am, so that makes it even better.
0: I was going to say, is there any place that we can uh, put on the podcast to find you? Or are you just going to, you incognito?
1: I'd prefer to stay under the radar. Yeah. I don't need to be famous.
0: Yeah. Sounds good. We'll leave it. We'll leave the, we'll leave, um, the fame for Steve and Mark.
1: I I would just say like, if anybody needs any financial advice, right. They can look me up on, on, uh,
0: Google, Ameriprise financial. Sounds great, man. Well, I appreciate you, uh, coming on, chatting with me, answering these questions. And, um, I'm looking forward to, I'm I'm looking forward to hearing what people have to say about this podcast, because I think that's a really great way to end things. Um, not just specifically about hunting, but just about life in general. And that's absolutely. what I was, that's, that's why I really wanted to have you on to chat about this. Um, Cause I knew you'd really, we, we, we'd find a way to, to talk about those things. <laughs> I'm glad Jim Rohn came up at least once.
1: Yeah, absolutely. I appreciate you having me on. And, uh, you know, I just want to end here with saying that obviously, you know, looking from the outside in Jake, great, right, Like you've grown a lot over time and, uh, I think it's pretty cool that you've taken this on and wanted to, you know, grow yourself over time as well. Um, that's why we're friends, man, because I, I see the growth in you and I want to, I, I see a little bit of myself right at, at 25 years old, trying to figure things out. And, um, not to say that I have it all figured out, but I'm, I'm just proud of you for taking the initiative and get to this point.
0: I appreciate it. I really do. You're saying I don't have it figured out yet.
1: Absolutely. See, I don't have it figured out.
0: <laughs> awesome, man. Well, for everybody that's listening, thank you. Uh, if you guys have any questions, um, you know, like me to ask on future guests or, uh, have, have ideas to, or have people I could bring on just shoot us an email to podcast at exomountaingear.com or shoot us a message through SpeakPipe, which is in the link below the description. And, uh, thank you for listening and tuning in and we'll talk to you guys on the next time.